Welcome to the Mile High Podcast. We're your guides through sordid tales of movies, music, and pop culture. Our show is best experienced under the influence of cannabis, so now's your cue to light up. Now remember, drugs are dangerous. Please use responsibly, but do subscribe. And now your hosts, James Thomas and David Hawk. Ladies and gentlemen, it is January 20th, 2021. It is Inauguration Day. It is Wednesday, and Santori's still off the air, so that can mean only one thing. It's my live podcast, Quick Hits. Here's your host, Dave. Hi, James. How are you? Hey, it's Dave. nice to actually see your face. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I kind of bounced out. You know, this is kind of your thing with the... Uh, podcasts uh the quick hits version so thanks for having me on looking forward to the full version coming back soon yeah but, a uh, week a week from friday man a week from friday is it a week from friday yeah it, is it what is i don't even know what today is it's the 20th you just said it you literally just said it and i did i set it up for you man and i totally i messed it up this is this is why you're the host and <laughs> i'm the faithful sidekick much better. You, you're a hell of a host on this, man. I've been watching your things. You had a uh, you had a lot of people on too. People that aren't normally on our normal shows. I've seen. Yeah, well, I know that every, the whole Truckee Pacific family is busy doing shit. So I'm kind of I'm venturing out. Uh, my cousin did a, a couple episodes with us, and uh, really enjoyed doing that. So going forward, you know, most of these quick hits are going to be like some that her and I do. Uh, Christy Potter, in case. Uh, those who are listening don't know who I'm talking about. Um, and then she is actually starting up a show for our network. So um, Santori, what now was the first non us show like that we brought onto the network. And now we're going to have another show that has nothing to do with us. Uh, but I'll make sure I get on there plenty. Cause I, I like, nice. I don't uh, What's weird, dude. It's like when I'm off of the camera, I don't talk, man. I am so introverted. So, socially awkward um but as soon as i get on the camera i, I don't shut up so, so i turn it on yeah, yeah no. i gotta turn on the charm you know what i'm saying that's the trick man that's how i've always worked is when the cameras pop on that's when i that's when the job starts so What's, I, I don't i don't agree with that because as soon as the camera turns off you are literally the same guy on camera as you are off camera <laughs> maybe you're maybe. you're funny you're optimistic <laughs> Yeah, I guess I don't play much of a character in that, so that's a fair thing. It well, speaking of optimistic, why are we here today, well, Dave? Why did you bring me on to your quick hits? I know we want to talk about some TV stuff, and see, here I go trying to play hosting games again. But I know you want to talk about TV stuff, but today's a different day. What are, what are we doing here? Man, today is a new day. A new day has dawned. Um, I like to see, I like to say it was like a day of sunshine in the darkness, but James looks like he's stuck in the 1950s with his black and white screen. So Ooh, I got to leave the Twilight Zone. Today is the last day with Twilight Zone. Oh Started off with the same crazy guy we had in charge for the last four years. And now we get maybe a new crazy guy in charge for the next. Yeah, crazy years. in a much different, more dignified right. way. Um, right. Yeah. So I wanted to bring you on. You know, we, James and I, Ever as long as we have been friends, uh, we've always talked politics. And even though Mile High Podcast doesn't 
necessarily talk politics. Like we'll have to throw it in, especially when it's a pop culture event. We're a pop culture podcast. Um, So it only makes sense that inauguration is in pop culture. Um, And then we just got to talk about, you know, kind of like wrap up the, the last four years, but really talk about this whole crazy election process. I mean, you know, James and I are very opinionated and yes, we're very left-leaning, but what happened during the election was transcendent beyond politics. It was like, you know, one for the history book. So, uh, you know, I'm, we're on here because we want to talk about this crazy election cycle. See, here's the thing for me with the politics. I've got to be honest to some people. I find politics to be some people treat it as a sport. I treat it as a science, as a political science as it is. There are certain rules that you have to follow within the political realm, or there's at least formulas that you can follow that predict what's going on. Now, granted, Donald Trump threw those whole formulas out of whack, and a couple big examples I would like to specifically talk about right now in this crazy election year is, and and we're as we refer to election year, we'll just talk about 2021 right now. 2021 started off with Democrats picking up two seats in the Georgia. in Georgia in the Senate. There is no reason. There is absolutely zero reason that the Georgia that the Democrats should have picked up two seats in a special election in Georgia. It's just it, it, they don't historically have the votes to that level. Uh, it is a very red state. I mean, this year started out weird. Granted, Donald Trump's inability to accept the results of the election is what got us to that weird point. But, it, but I mean, that makes no sense. We shouldn't have picked up Georgia. Georgia should have been a gimme for the Republicans. It, it just shows how uh, much people dislike the guy that was before us like like i said it transcends party at that point it really transcends party um much like i always do man i had a great point i just totally fucking (laughs) lost it um i was man it's it's literally january 20th and this feels like this month feels almost as long as 2020 did the whole time i mean like you said right out of the bat boom georgia a week later you know attempted coup event it was the day oh, later. That was the very was next the, yeah. day. Remember, because I mean, Georgia voted on the 5th, and the very next day we had an attempted coup attempt on the Capitol. I, who, I can say, I lived through a pandemic and a coup attempt, and literally they were at the same time. So it's pretty, I, pretty, I, pretty historic times, man. Yeah, I had read an article where they said that we are dealing with uh, – Three different pandemics at the exact same time, and it's the pandemic of COVID nineteen, it's the pandemic of the rise of uh, white nationalism, and uh, it's a pandemic of misinformation, and really, all of those things combined come you know came together at the end of twenty twenty to uh, really affect, affect Trump horribly. If we're honest, political people. Had COVID not happened, there is, and had he played it right, there is nothing that says that Donald Trump would not have won a second term. All the science, uh, art of politics, 
say if COVID, COVID had not happened, and I hate to say this about America, but you know, civil civil unrest over the summer uh, still would not have knocked Donald Trump out of the office because white people only care so much. I hate to say that because I'm a white person, but they only do. They only care so much. They cared a lot right now because they were stuck at home. They'll probably keep caring a lot afterwards because now we're in it. But I've known a lot of people a long time and they just, <laughs> they, they would not have cared. It, Trump could have re-won re this election. He didn't. He, he, he came out so divisive and he just bumbled COVID. And I don't know. I, it's, it's, it was weird, man. It was weird to watch it happen. Like, I, like even there were points where I was like, if I was Trump's advisor, I would tell him to do this. Who is telling him not to do these things? You know, it, it was weird. I, I, it almost feels like he didn't want the job, but he didn't want to lose to Joe Biden. I don't know. Yeah, I, I get that. But this whole thing I, not only was set up by the weirdest fucking election I've ever lived through. Like, you know, we lived through the uh, Gore v. Bush, you know, the hanging chad. 38 votes. Yeah. Is the number of votes. That and, you know, it was one of the few instances where the loser had more popular votes. But, you know, in defeat, Al Gore showed such dignity and, you know, went out of his way to make sure that, you know, when people were objecting, like we got all shitty about these Republican senators objecting to the to the um, electoral college votes. But Democrats did, you know, were trying to do the same thing in 2000 and he <laughs> shut them down. He just straight yeah. shut them down um, and said, no, you know, this is. This is what America is. We we hate the outcome, but for the better the betterment of our country, we keep moving forward. George W. Bush is the next president. Right. We never saw any of that in this election. It was no. set up months ago. It, if I win, the election was fine. If I lose, the election was rigged. Right. And then you know, pepper it out. The election's rigged. The election's going to be rigged. And then he loses. And not only does he lose, he loses because he told his people, stay, you know, you know, vote in person, don't mail in your vote. And when we went to bed, man, I was shitting bricks, man. I was nervous as fuck going to bed that night. And when Which I was so up, funny because every political pundit I, I discussed with Melody, the exact same thing. Every political pundit told you the same thing. I said it on the show. It is going to look really weird where Trump is going to look like he's going to win. And in the middle of the night, when they start counting these votes, because they can't start doing it, it, it it's going to see a change. And I get I get the original panic because you see it on a lot of people's face. If you follow Twitter or Facebook during that time, people are like, oh, my God. Even the political people on television, even the political pundits that had themselves said, hey, this is going to happen. You could see the panic start set, setting in. Oh, that shows how scared we were of the concept of another four years. Of and, and it's this. because like none of us have ever lived through something like this before. Right. Like, you know, there, the, the say that the mail-in vote, mail vote was historically large is a complete understatement. Like, there's nothing that will compare to what it was. And we're all... You know, have PTSD from four years ago when we went to bed with Hillary losing, her gaining the popular vote overnight, but still losing, 
and then facing a four years of darkness, kind of like where you are right now, James. Um, <laughs> but I, so when you go to bed, yeah, you hear that, but you're still shell shocked from four years ago. Right. So when I woke up, and I wake up hella fucking early from my job, and I woke up and he had taken the lead, Biden had taken the lead in Georgia, and he had taken the lead in Arizona, uh, Nevada, and then they're like, He's going to take the lead in Pennsylvania. Like, you know, that's a given. Like, he's right. way behind now, but he's going to. And then all of a sudden he does. Like, you know, that I've never lived through a, a range of emotions like that. I've n- There's so many things I've never lived through. And I'm not that old. I'm 42 in a week. And you're not. You're, I think you're younger. No, you're older than me. I am like younger than months. you. I don't turn 42 until. Oh, motherfucker. You're, I'm the oldest one here? Holy yeah. shit. You uh, must be the oldest one. Yeah, uh, man, that's crazy. Um. But we've never lived through this shit. My parents, no. your parents, they have never lived through something like this. So, yeah. um, I mean, it just crazy from the fact that he won't they come out and and uh, say he lost to throwing fucking crazy court challenges. Uh, you know, what, what, what? How do you feel? Tell me about what your experience was with this. Oh, so, uh, the election night for me was. Uh, Really, the only thing that really got me on election night was I wasn't confident about Florida. Um, I'm partially surprised that Florida didn't flip to the blue, but knowing how they played a socialism angle in South Florida and knowing South Florida as well as I do, I understand why I got there. But I, I, my biggest, there were two areas of concern for me that night. Number one, Florida came out for Trump more than I thought it would. And that made me go, oh no, was I miscalculating? Because uh, they all they counted all their absentee ballots before that. You know what I mean? Florida was done. It was like one of the third states that was called and done. Mm. Um, and the other the other thing that got me that night was I stayed up all night. I mean, I I, I make no joke. I, I love politics. I'm a political junkie. So about three in the morning, I guess it was DC time when Trump came out and he gave that. Uh, speech and yeah and then the uh white house where he was cheering he's like and you know what it was a in fact we won this election i said oh shit he's gonna go this way because we didn't none of us knew none of us knew we knew there was a potential but until he and i i was surprised he did it on election night i was surprised he kind of did it as early as he did it i would have felt thought he'd wait a day you know because it did take a few days to get all the votes in I thought he would have waited for uh, that morning. Like for somebody who knows news cycles so well, the time he picked to do that speech was probably the dumbest time to do it. Because uh, not everybody was up. He should have hit it in the morning. Regardless of that, uh, I was surprised because none of us knew what he was going to do. And he decided, hey, I'm going to go balls to the wall. And I'm going to just say that I, that I won this thing, and I thought they had some tricks up their sleeve. Now, 50-something court cases later, it, it proved that they had no tricks up their sleeves. Their only hope was uh, was the emergence of two new media sources through OAN and, and Newsmax that were willing to go as far as they needed to go to convince President's people that he hadn't lost all the way up to setting up like hearings and hotel ballrooms with a handful of state representatives. I mean, it's, it was a mess. It was, it was 
It it's joke. almost that, like literally the six, you know, where we saw like these guys with like their horns and they're just like the dumbest people successfully breaking in and like rioting in our capital. Once the infrastructure started falling apart of his way to steal the election, you just saw like, oh my God, you know, how did we fall for this? How did this happen? Like, it's like in the Muppets, the new Muppet movie where Miss Piggy runs into the, all the Muppets and she's like, I can't believe I fell for Muppet Man. That's what happened once he lost the election is you started seeing Rudy's hair is melting. He's out in front of like uh, the lawnscaping place. They have no plan, no strategy. And I'm like, this is who beat us? These are the idiots who, who completely turned over the election? Uh, it, it's it's proof for underestimating people. I mean, we underestimated Trump. We underestimated his supporters. He became president, and they stormed the Capitol and got in and just really shook this world. I, to a degree, we may be intellectually arrogant to another group of people in this country. That's a whole story for a different day. Uh, well, you brought up um, you know the knucklehead wearing the horns and shit. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, he is a devout QAnon supporter. How yeah. big of a problem is QAnon? I think they're a bigger problem than the Trump supporters. I, I would say this. I would say that um, not all Trump supporters believe in QAnon, but everyone who believes in QAnon is a Trump supporter. I think they're far more dangerous to anything than Trump. I think Trump liked in their stories that he was their hero. I think he uh, liked in their stories that it worked out for him. It, it was beneficial for him. Trump loved shit that was beneficial for him. Uh, I, QAnon is dangerous. I mean, we're, to a degree, we're talking about a social media cult worse than the MAGA cult. These are people who are, the MAGA cult was nationalism and like it or not, we were raised on nationalism. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, Public schools are nationalism. That's what the fuck we teach. Even while we're teaching the badness of nationalism, it's the education of nationalism. Uh, so getting a bunch of people to be nationalists doesn't surprise me. Getting a bunch of people to believe things that were not true, crazy things like JFK Jr. is still alive, or that Trump, regardless if he's a pedophile or not, really had no connection with Jeffrey Epstein. You know what I mean? Like, there are things that I'm like, how do you get relatively smart people? And there are some really smart people who go down that Q hole. How do you get them to believe it? No, I think I think Q is far more dangerous than Donald Trump and his MAGA team ever could be. Now, what happens today when their biggest prophecy failed? We'll see, but I, I wouldn't count them out. That's one thing about prophecies, though. It's like, it's an ever-moving benchmarker. Look at 2012. It's like December 12, 2012, or whatever it was. You know, that's doomsday. And then the day passed, like, oh, no, we miscalculated it. There's right. pastors around, like, according to the Bible, we're, you know, next week's apocalypse. Give me all your money and sell all your possessions. And then the world is finally like, I, miss, uh, I misinterpreted the Bible. Doomsday is actually this day. Right. So, you know, and it's the same thing with QAnon. Like, yeah, Trump is not there, but maybe Trump is going to like get his forces together and then overthrow the. You know, it's an ever-moving benchmark right. that uh, I think will 
continue to plague us at least for a little while. It's, um, I mean, it plays the it plays to the great heartstrings of people. Who the hell doesn't want to stop child trafficking? You know what I mean? And and, and if you're a political opponent, you can point out and say they like child trafficking. It's a who doesn't? What a what a brilliant place to play it at. You know, they pull the heartstrings of people, uh, and they and they say the people that they've already decided was an enemy. These people who started thinking Nancy Pelosi was part of it, or Hillary, or any of that, they already hated those people. And then so they can be righteous. We hate these people already. Plus, this other person told us that they traffic in children in a basement of a pizza place. It, <sighs> misinformation is super dangerous in this country. It really irritates me. When I share something, if I agree with it, I check it I do so much more research on that than I would something that I didn't that I that I don't agree with. You know what I mean? I'm not going to share something because I like it. Because if I take the time to look into it, or if I take the time that I want to share it, I'm going to look into it. I'm going to have my fucking information ready. And if I'm talking and somebody points it out, I'm going to feel that I, that I was wrong. And they and they give me a good argument. They prove to me I'm wrong. I'm going to feel like an idiot. But I'm also going to accept the fact that I was wrong, acknowledge your good argument, and move on, which is something that has not happened over the last four years. The four, this four years was, I think Joe used the uh, phrase today, uncivil war. Mm-hmm. We need to end this uncivil war. I thought it was brilliant because that's what it's been. It's been an uncivil war. We have gone with just being like snide is our way of fighting now, you know, snarky. When Joe Biden ran on unity and his inauguration speech just dripped unity. And it was, it was an incredible speech. Um, Everybody in my store stopped what we're doing and we watched it. And uh, it was a great 20 minutes. Chris Wallace from Fox news said it's the best inauguration speech he's ever listened to. And, you know, I couldn't, I can't, disagree with him at all um great speech yep. great inauguration tell me do you believe that there is gonna be unity and what's that gonna I, look like so i believe this i believe our biggest danger i'm i'm less concerned about the people in washington now than i am uh, the people on both sides of the aisle uh at home i'm more concerned that the people on the right are going to dig in and they're going to have nothing to do. They really are, are going to fight the Democrats or the left. And I feel like the left are going to want to seek revenge. And I feel like we're going to, we're going to miss compromising. Here's what I think that Joe's going to do. And I think here's how he's going to use Mitch McConnell. Here's my whole generalized prediction of what Joe will do. Number one, he is, he has two goals. I believe that Joe's biggest goals are fixing COVID and keeping people in their houses, whatever that means. That doesn't mean jobs. That doesn't necessarily mean handouts. It's going to mean something. Whatever it's going to take to do that, that's Joe's goal. Secondly, what I think he's going to do, he knows that's in it. He's going to walk and he's going to be like, all right, we all disagree on a bunch of shit. What is the things we agree on? Give us a list of 15 things we agree on. Uh, Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden love infrastructure. They're big train people. They'll do infrastructure. You know what I mean? Um, they'll do some things because they have no choice. Healthcare will change a little bit in this country. 
in the more positive way because they don't have a choice. COVID's going to make it have to happen. More of a lean towards a universal basic income, you're going to have to see. McConnell and the rest of the Republicans already know their taxes are going to go up. It's a non-starter. It's a non-issue. They can either work with Joe or he'll just roll back the other tax cuts. I think because he wants to do unity, he's going to say, we're going to do all the things that you guys want to do that we agree with. And I think that's a great way to start. You know, yeah, let's put money into... Let's put money into infrastructure. Let's put money into building back better. A, a, a slogan which I hated in the beginning and has truly grown on me throughout uh, Joe's nomination uh, and eventual uh, win of the presidency. The it's build hard back to fit better. that on a hat. Yeah, we need a blue hat with that so everybody <laughs> knows that this is how we play. That's what I think it's going to look like. I think it's going to look like... Um, I mean, I think they put 80% of his cabinet uh, picks through without huge objection. I think those will be pretty simple. I don't imagine us running, unless Joe expands the Ninth Circuit Court or creates a whole different circuit court, um, I don't imagine that we're going to have a lot of super objecting to judges that Joe has to put up and everything like that. Like, I think Mitch got a lot of judges. Mitch got a shit ton of judges. Yeah, he he was, can give us 30 that was, judges. That was his thing. Yeah, he yeah. Yeah, he can give us 30, he can give us 50 judges, and that's nothing compared yeah, to the yeah, number yeah, of like judges or put on the bench. <laughs> so, I, I think Donald Trump was so divisive Mitch McConnell's not an idiot. He's not worried about winning again in six years because there's no way he's going to be too old for that. This is Mitch McConnell's last chance to have a legacy of any side. And Biden knows that. And I think they'll figure out something that they both agree on. All right, and you know what? At the end of it, the Democrats are going to be pissed about it. The Republicans are going to be pissed about it. But it's going to help people. You know what I mean? That's, that's the way compromise works. Everybody thinks... That we we get what we want and we're like, yeah, we got everything that we want. I'm like, no. The best compromise is, is everyone's reluctantly happy for the little bit that they got and pissed off because of what they had to give up. And as long as both sides are doing that, we're headed in the right direction. All right. So I like your optimism. Like I said, yeah, you are a man of great optimism. What do you think? Um, where, 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 where's your head? No, it's hard to disagree with what you said. Um, I still think that there is a level of butthurt that both sides will not be able to get over. And so um, it's going to take a lot of work. I think it's going to be a lot of, at the beginning, you know, at, at first everybody's going to be like, let's do this together. Right. And then it's going to create, you know, a certain amount of gridlock. Um, and, you know, of course, Democrats own both House and Senate. So it's going to be like, well, we tried, but you guys are just keep gumming up the work. So we're just going to ram everything through. No, uh, no Vaseline. I right. mean, so I think as, as a natural born pessimist, I think it's going to like shoot out the gates very fast. There's going to be a couple of wins, but eventually the, the hurt feelings and the ruffled feathers are going to still get ruffled. And uh, I mean, we have a lot of lawmakers now in the Congress that don't know what the fuck they're doing. 
And so they're all they're there is to be the loudest person in the chamber instead of actually doing actual work. And so that's, that's going to hurt too. Um, but I, I hope it's, I hope it's more your vision than my vision. Cause no, no, I can't take any more. I can't, I just can't take any more anger and frustration, man. I'm, I, I think, I, I, I think that, uh, two things could really your vision comes down to one thing realistically is what 2022 looks like and what it's going to look like going into 2022 because like it or not we're we want to start counting now we're 10 months away from beginning the 2022 elections for senate which the republicans have a lot of seats up in the house so the big questions are is a does donald trump start a patriot party if Donald Trump starts a Patriot Party, you are going to watch Mitt Romney's shit, maybe even Mitch McConnell's, maybe not join the Democrats, but they're going to renounce the Republican Party and be independents and probably vote with the majority a lot more. Because if he starts a Patriot Party, that's the party that's playing to the right of, these people play to the right of Mitch McConnell. You know what I mean? The old Lindsey Graham will be the first sitting member of the Patriot Party as soon as he makes it. Because he'll be like, all right, Trump, I'll put it in. So Lindsey Graham will join the Patriot Party. I think the Republicans in there now know they're in a pretty bad space. They know that Donald Trump got more votes than he did the first time. They also know they lost two seats in Georgia. And they uh, maintained some House seats and made some gains. But they know that's gerrymandering. And they lost the Senate. They're not dumb. They know the country's turning. Uh, they know that liberals or the left are moving into their states. So the Republican Party has a come to Jesus moment. And if we catch them the right way, we'll, we'll pull some over to get to vote with us. Have a sit with Bernie, you know? Yeah. How do you, uh, how do you bring the country as a whole together then? I mean, like we're, we're Joe Biden. <laughs> That's like, hard. Yeah. You know, you being the ever eternal optimist, you know, how is it going to, what's it going to take to bring the people together? So here, here's really what it comes down to. Um, and I'm going to tell a, a, a story. It, it, it's, uh, story oh, uh, it's, 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 it's a story that I know in my head. So my cultural references may need to maybe also, I apologize ahead of time. But after, uh, I want to say World War One. A uh, bunch of the Japanese soldiers, I'm going to say World War II. After World War II, a bunch of the Japanese soldiers who were out fighting went up to the woods and they were like, they just could not accept that they had lost, that the war was over, uh, that they had lost. And they went to the woods to prepare to continue on the fight against the evil capitalist Americas. Um. And the way they brought those soldiers down from the hills where we rebuilt Japan. We helped rebuild the country. The country's economy got better. The things offering that country got better for the people within that country. And that's how we told them to put down their weapons, come down from the hill and rejoin society. That's what I think has to happen here. I think we need to truly do things that help this country. We need... 
we need these people to see that regardless of the letters behind your name, we're working on it for people. I think the Democrats lost, and I was thinking about this before we did the show today, because I knew we'd go down this uh, path a little bit. We lost, I think, in 2016, because we we were all struggling. Like you said, you and I have liked politics since we were since we were kids. You and I are realistically to know economically, life between 20, 2008 and 2016 wasn't great. It was just crawling up, but we knew the economic reason on why it was a crawling up situation and we were in the situations we were because we had a recession at the end of 2008 that we needed to come out of. Obama came in 2009, saved us from the biggest recession depression that we were dealing from. So eight years, it took eight years to get GDP growing as high as it did. It took eight years to get job growth moving. Numbers were starting to go down on home uh, mortgages and everything. As soon as Donald Trump, as soon as the 2016 campaign started running. Now, we understood what was happening in the government at that time. So to us, we were like, all right, well, the progress is going. We'll keep it on Hillary and the progress will keep going. I think that we did not take into consideration there's a group of people out there who, A, do not understand politics. They don't know what the government does. They don't know what the government did before. And they live in much poorer areas than you and I currently live in. And it's not like we're living in Beverly Hills, but we are so, we have solid middle-class surroundings around us. These people in Iowa don't have that. The people in the middle of West Virginia don't have solid middle class. They were poor when Obama took office. They felt even more poor when Obama left office because there was a recession during Bush's term. I think the Democrats didn't hear what they said. I think we missed a group of people. I think we all, when I said that we had intellectual arrogance, I think to a certain degree, we missed out on the fact that we understood why the economy were, were, was where it was before. And we're Democrats, so all the other Democrats, all the ones who voted for Obama should understand that, but they didn't. It's not something they understood. It's not something they think about. And all they knew is that we gave Obama eight years and we're, our lives still suck. We're done with everything. We're gonna pick this guy who's gonna blow it up. I, I, I think we did this to ourselves. Um, and I think we need to, now that we had to car cartel to the crazy demands of those people, but we need to be aware that like- They exist. They exist, they exist. And we had to figure out how to talk to them again because we used to, you know what I mean? Those used to be middle-class towns. That's what people forget. These poverty towns in Pennsylvania, these dead towns in Pennsylvania, West Virginia, uh, South Carolina, they, they were middle-class towns in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. So when they say they want to make America great again, they want it to be Denver. You know what I mean? They want it to be Salt Lake. They want it to be cities that bring in commerce that allow them to live their life. And I think we just took for granted the information that they knew and... I think we took some things for granted. I think we didn't look out. The racial aspect of it, fuck all that shit. You know what I mean? Like there are some racist, 
you don't get to be part of the the races aspect of it. But the fact that they're white, they know no other minorities, and they live in a poor town, and all of a sudden they just someone else has to be doing it. It's the Hispanics that have to be doing it. They're Mexicans that are coming in because I'm not getting any money, and now I'm being told that they get all this free stuff from it. So I'm clearly the one being screwed. And since they know no Mexicans, they don't know why we went into economic struggles anyhow. They're like, that. well, that makes sense. <laughs> Obama sucked and the Mexicans took all our jobs, so we have to go after Trump. We, we were, I think we were a little bit intellectually uh, arrogant. And we assumed that everyone understood the things that we understand. And they didn't. Well said, sir. Well said. <laughs> Sorry, it was a tangent. I literally, I was thinking about that like four hours ago. Well, it's hard to disagree with anything you said. I, <laughs> I, so I am currently banned on Facebook. My ban was supposed to have ended today. And then Facebook extended my ban another day. And then without telling me, they extended it an extra two days. All because I called some guy a, a dumb potato. And I am so fucking guilty of being super righteous and, you know, socially arrogant, as you like to say. And I'm, I'm banned on Facebook for it. And I'm trying <laughs> no, to learn the error of my ways. Irish that sounds like an Irish uh, an insult that you, like a slang word for an Irish person. Oh, you a potato. <laughs> I thought, Did you just call me a potato? <laughs> well apparently it offended mark zuckerberg so there you uh, go but i i'm so guilty at that so that was really well said um tell me a lot of shit's happened since election day to now um god thank god election was or the inauguration was boring and right. boring in a way that it everything that's happened up to this point you expected something other than it going off without a hitch and it went off without a hitch. And so it's kind of like a Stephen King novel where it's great until the ending and the ending is just like, eh, Oh, it's, uh, it's an ending, I suppose. Um, right. A lot of, a lot of great shit happened. A lot of really interesting stuff. A lot of images uh, that have come out of this whole election cycle. Tell me one image. I know it's going to be hard. I'm putting you on the spot. Tell me one or maybe two images that when you close your eyes and you think of this whole election cycle, what comes to your mind? I think of the women praying out in front of the Arizona uh, polling place the night uh, of the, the election night. So I think of, um, or in the, in the night after. I don't think of the giant crowds because I knew the giant crowds would come. But I thought when they're, stand, they're sitting outside the door and it's like two women and like one guy standing up and they're just sitting and they're just kind of like praying and rocking back and forth. And like, that to me is a representation of what this country was doing. You know, like it was a religious based, uh, that was a representation of the election to me. They believed God was going to carry through. So that's one image that I think stands out to me. Um, And so the other image, I mean, I, I would, I think watching, uh, well, that guy with the bullhorn or mm -hmm. the, the, yeah, the elk thing behind the speaker's desk, you know, and the, in the, in the Senate chambers, you know, that, 
That was the other one that really stood up to me. Not so much about the guy kid putting his feet on Nancy Pelosi saying, fuck that guy too, don't get me wrong, but the imagery is not as strong. Yeah, because he was behind, he was yeah, you know, in one of the most sacred places in America and completely defiling it. Right. So those are my two images. Those are those um, because like I can't pinpoint a COVID uh, image because they're all super depressing. So uh, those those are my two images, and that that defines where we are right now. You I, you would think that one would have Trump in it or one would have Joe in it, but. No, no. It, it, to me, it's the people. It's those are the representations of the parts that worry me right now. Yeah, when I when I think of this election, I think of Rudy's head melting mm-hmm. and the great poobah, you know, behind. But also that fucking the picture of that the black cop who you have that angry fucking mob of white people, and it's like the one cop he has the baton. Uh, on one side of them is right. where senators, sitting senators, are sheltered in place, and he got those motherfuckers to go away. Just in that picture of him, the you know fierce crowd yelling at him, and he's just by himself. And I think I, I that will probably be um, the photograph of the year, uh, the one that wins the Pulitzer because. They're, they're, the whole election cycle is captured in that right. one frame and in that one instance. So um, I probably say that above all else. Um, I think when I think this whole time, I, I will think of that guy. Yeah, no, it's it, that uh, the more you see that. And, and originally I was wondering what the story was behind it. And as you learn more of the story, you said, oh, I see what he's doing. You know, I'm like, you think, why are they stopping them? But and I've said this before, not to get too deep on the race thing, but black people, I think, deal with cops on a lot, people of color deal with the cops on a lot more basis because of systemic racism in this country. So they have a general bigger fear and they're more cautious around cops. You know, I've ridden a lot of cars where they were like, no, you got to do this, you got to do that. The old Dave Chappelle joke when he's riding with his white friend and, you know, he's like, we're not going to take it. Um, so white people just don't know it so they were not intimidated they didn't no one taught those white people to be scared of cops those white people were like we're on the same side i'm white you're a cop we 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 belong together they didn't do not to be intimidated by they felt they didn't need to be intimidated by cops and on the reverse end of that i think the cops know when they're you know when they're arresting people of color they do it so much they've kind of written a story about how it should play out. You know what I mean? And, and for every, uh, for every story, there's a bit of truth in it. So they, they've arrested so many people of color. They're like, well, when you arrest somebody, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. A giant mob of white people coming at them. They had no idea what to, there's not a calculation in their head for that. You know what I mean? They're like, we, we just usually, uh, you know, Handcuff the, the closest black guy, but there's nothing but white people here. You know, they I think they were scared. I don't think they knew what to do. I don't think they knew what the crowd was going to do. They were not prepared for what that response was. And not the cops never arrest white people. They just, uh, white people are way more comfortable. <laughs> Fucking running right out of cop. Like I see, 
I see them grabbing their guns and trying to pull off their mask. And I was like, I have never, ever seen a black person try to do that. I, I just, could you see that? No. Uh, that would be, I would, uh, I mean, I, you just never, I would, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Like even a hardened criminal, you can find me the hardest, hardened, most hardened criminal person of color. And I just don't see them going in in the arrogance that those people did it. You know what I mean? It was arrogance. It was it was their righteousness. You know what I mean? They that, that part was sick to me. I want to talk about something specifically. My favorite part of today was uh, Amanda Gorman. Amanda Gorman's poetry was amazing. Did you hear that girl when she did her poem? Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. I was at work listening to all things, so yeah, no, that poem was on point. That was that was huge. That was a, that was that was a great poem. It it really talked to where we are today. I actually think Joe's speech, that poem, the Reverend's uh, prayer, and I'm not a big prayer guy. You know, me and God, we have a weird relationship. Whereas uh, I don't believe he exists, and he doesn't believe I exist. So. <laughs> um, but the good all of them, the, the discussion of unity, the connection to what's really happening in this country right now, I thought they were great. I thought they were great. Um, and I thought watching the emotionally what got me, two things got me really emotionally today. Watching Harris get uh, um, inaugurated. Yeah. I, I thought that was huge. Because I, I was a Hillary, I was a big, I was a big supporter of Hillary, you know. And I, I'm a big proponent of women being able to be uh, anything they want to be. I love strong women. I've had strong women around me my entire life. Um, so for me, she was the completion of what I've been trying for, you know, 12 years with Hillary, like getting a woman in the representation. That got me. And then there's a picture uh, that I had shared on Facebook and I'll put on the uh, my Life podcast page of a soldier, a uh, man in a uniform, who uh, during Biden's entire speech kneeled at Bo Biden's grave throughout the whole thing. And that 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 just broke me. Because they didn't say who the guy is, but it was just so respectful to both Bo, who served this country proudly, and, uh, and Joe, who, who very much loves his son. And, you know, has experienced so much horrible loss in his life. So, I think that's a, a great segue for us. Uh, I was asking James, like, should we do a shot or should we do, a, you know, should we cheers, uh, have a toast for this election? And, you know, in perfect James, he's like, we have a fucking weed show. Why don't we do a hit in honor of it? So, uh, man, it, today's a new fucking day. So, you know, slancha. You know, fucking, I'm so happy. Today's a new day, man. I'm so excited. So, uh, bottoms up. Toast. (laughs) And if you like that, tune in on Friday, because I know you guys want to hear about, like, our predictions about, like, what Joe Biden's administration is going to be like and everything. But next Friday... We decided a theme. We're going to talk about the future, right? We're talking about 2021 next week, right? Uh, in the year 20. 
that's where we're going next week. So next Friday, tune into the first episode of My High Podcast. Uh, season three, I can't believe Season three. Yeah. Um, so to hear more about that. But there was one other thing, because I, I want to save Cobra Kai and everything for next Friday. But there was one other thing that Dave and I watched uh, over this week that I, I know we both wanted to talk about. And uh, Dave, what was that? Yeah, oh, I, I watched a lot of uh, Bob's Burgers. I'm cutting books. in real quick. Is that the cover to your book? Yeah, it is. That's, new... that's a badass cover. Yeah, I just got it today. Nice. So I, oh. I, I prematurely, I was waiting for our uh, our uh, time where we're pitching our wares. And I it was a little too premature on that. So yeah, I'm going to have this that cool. But, I love, but that's some bad shit. So we'll get back to that. Tell, let's, let's do a quick one. We'll yeah, go so, more. yeah, James and I... Uh, we both we're watching reruns of Bob's Burgers. That's about all we've been watching. No, no, <laughs> fucking uh, Wandavision. Uh, what'd you think of it? I I loved it myself. I thought it was really so. Here's the thing: uh, Wilding, I, Mel and I watched it first, and then Wilding came down at the end of the first episode, and we were about to watch the second episode. So you had to watch the first episode again. So I've seen the first episode twice, second episode once. Um, I like it. I like it. Uh, I won't say I love it yet because I need to see the overall story. If they're doing, if they're going to go the way I expect them to go with this, I love it. It's brilliant. It's smart. It's exactly what I want to see. But I, but I want to reserve that until I see that they can complete the, the connection of this whole thing. Uh, with that said, I fucking believe that they, uh, absolutely will marvel has very rarely proven me wrong on doing complete stories i don't know the wandavision comic books from what i hear that the people who know the wandavision story in the comics are big fans of it i think it's creative i think it's uh a brilliant use of cinematography and storylines and everything so i'm excited for what it can be Yes. And I'm entertained waiting to see what that is. What about you? What did you think of it? Yeah. Well, I really enjoyed it. And I think it does start out slow, especially these Marvel movies. It's like, pow, there's a, a there's some action within seconds of the, the movie or the show starting. This one, it's like, it's a slow build. But right. unlike all these other movies, it is driven by plot. This is... Right happen there are these are small details that we need to tell you and if they put a lot of action around it you'd miss all these details and so they're building in these these details um but i think as the the season goes on it's going to be less of the the sitcom and more of this what's causing what's going on uh we're eventually going to find out you know that wanda either created a, a parallel universe or a parallel dimension Right. Um, because she is rumored to be the big bad from the next Doctor Strange, which is a, a crazy arc. And you've already, you've already seen that she damn near beat Thanos. So she's an extremely powerful Marvel uh, character. So she poses a very big um, threat to the Marvel, to the Avengers and such. Um, so I'm excited to see how that's going to play out. Um, and and I, I like the words. It's super creative. Like, yeah. who would have... Like, if somebody said one, you're going to have a, a show of Wanda and Vision. First of all, like 
nobody would really give that much of a fuck, but also that it's super strange, like very creative. And I love this about Marvel. Like they will take risks. They will right. do, you know, they'll make a comedy with Taika Waititi. They'll make this show. that's an homage to era, <laughs> the sitcoms in each era. I mean, very creative. And that's what I, I really enjoy about it. I, and I think, and I feel like, uh, Marvel, when I think of Netflix Marvel, which I enjoy, this is different Marvel on Disney Plus. I'm uh, I'm very intrigued by this. I feel like they're going to tell Netflix Marvel stories felt very formulaic. Yes. 100%. I think this will be unformulaic. I think that uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was an unformulaic show, and I very much enjoyed Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I think their shows on Disney Plus will be unformulaic. Yeah, uh, man, I, I really I enjoyed the Netflix shows, really. Um, and one thing I like is, um, but you're, like you said, very formulaic. Right. Um, but one thing it doesn't I make a bad show. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I did too. I, I thought, yeah, I, I like the Netflix shows a lot. Uh, and but. you know, even though it's not part of the overall Marvel universe, when it comes to like MCU. Um, Marvel is smart enough to like they fucking um, cast Charlie Cox. He's uh, Matt Murdock is going to represent um, uh, Peter Parker in the next Spider-Man movie. Um, they uh, they're bringing in. They are going to make. They have announced. Kevin Feige announced they are making an R-rated Deadpool three movie, and it's an MCU movie. Nice. I mean that is balls. That takes massive. <laughs> And a ton of confidence. You don't see DC. DC is taking risks with movie with shows like Joker, The Batman, um, even Shazam was a little bit of a risk. But DC puts out show movies like Wonder Woman two more than they take risks like with the Joker. Marvel's right. like, I'm gonna make a fucking crazy sitcom about two secondary characters, and it's gonna be an homage to sitcoms of yesterday's past. Um, I mean, that takes a lot of balls and a lot of confidence. Yeah, and that part is beautifully done. The homage to the past in that show. If you if you were like us and you grew up on sitcoms and Nick and Knight and shit like that, they, they, they do it well. And I respect people who, when you try to go for a genre, you just do it. If you, if you go genre, do it right, do it well, do it respectful. And that they definitely have done that. All right, now we can now now tell me about. You see, I take over your show. I'm so sorry. I'm a no, horrible dude, guest. Are you kidding me? The more you talk, like the better the show is. So, um, so tell us, Dave. We'll, we'll do our promotion thing. Tell me, uh, tell me what's behind you. I know we kind of touched on it, but give us yeah. some details, man. So, uh, I have over the last like year or so, I've been I wrote a book about what would happen if the Yellowstone volcano erupted and i've had this idea in my head for a long time um and i finally put it down on paper um i took a research trip up to yellowstone researched it uh it's an unbelievably large volcano and i'm i mean it's uh it can fill the the amount of magma underneath yellowstone can fill up the entire um was it the uh the grand canyon like 14 times i mean unbelievable amount if this right. thing were to erupt it will change our planet as we know it. Um, and the crazy thing is that 
we are technically within the eruption cycle of Yellowstone. It erupts about every 630,000 years. And right now we're like right at 630,000 years. But the chances of it going off now or in 10,000 years, the odds are exactly the same. So I wrote a, a story called Caldera um, about what would happen if Yellowstone erupted. Um, it's a great fucking book. Uh, and uh, I just chose today. I, I got the, the artwork for the cover. I think it's fucking sick. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. And it perfectly conveys that it's about a big fucking volcano. Um, yes. And everybody I've given it to who's read it for me. Uh, my wife just got done editing it and like making sure that it was ready for print. Um, she was real fucking blown away and she's a hard person to please. Nice. So yeah, so that's what that should be out in the next couple of weeks. It'll start off as an ebook, um, and then it'll get put into paperback. And then I already have the uh, narrator picked out for the audiobook version. So hopefully that'll be out in the next couple months. Um, so look for it. I'll be fucking throwing a bunch of Amazon links onto all of our pages here, at Truckee Pacific. So uh, buy my book. There you um, go. Yeah. Nice. So that's exciting, man. No, I love that cover. That cover is dope. Um, next week, are you doing uh, a show or are you just doing Friday shows? Because just Friday shows. Okay, good. Then here's my promotion of some. Santori, for all I know, last I talked, she'll be coming back next Wednesday to host this show. Dodge Detroit and T Man uh, are signed up and aboard. And of course, Mary Beth, his number one dick, uh, will be there as well. So tune in for that. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, keep an eye out on the page for uh, my my storage treasure shit, man. Like, you know, you you watch Storage Wars. That's what I do, you know. Um, and maybe I was tossing about the idea of like maybe like doing a show where I hold up my treasures and shit. I don't know. I haven't decided that. Dude, you should do a just unboxing videos. Those fucking unboxing videos have like you know, 20 million people yeah. watch this motherfucker open up a cardboard box that he found in his attic. I mean, come on, just do that. Uh, very I, no, I definitely think, I, I think when I first tried to do it, the garage was not set up, but uh, I definitely think if I'm smart about it, I can set up a whole area where I have like a continually hanging webcam or yeah, webcam where I can just lock my laptop in and go through each of them. So that's a great idea. We're going to start seeing some things on Truckee Pacific uh, YouTube page because a good friend of mine who uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, Unrequested Podcast, uh, the, one, of the, one of the people on the Unrequested Podcast uh, is, a, is a good friend of mine. I've known him for a lot of years. And uh, he started a YouTube page last year and he's getting like promoters and shit. Like he's, he's stepping up. And so like, I'm excited for him, and so uh, check out Un uh, Unrequested Podcast, and then follow the links to his uh, YouTube page. And now we have somebody to compete against because I like a good competition. Yeah, make Co sure you Kai subscribe style. to our shit, like right before you go to their podcast. Oh yeah, make sure yeah, yeah. You subscribe first, on ours so. first. Yeah, yeah. Hit yeah, that bell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah subscribe so button. Hit that bell. What are the kids are saying these days? Do do all those things too. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, uh, you know, make sure you check us out next week. Our, uh, our big season three premiere, all about 2021 prognostications. We have some really cool fucking shows coming up. I mean, like, uh, we have the unbelievably talented 
uh, Amanda Hawkins, who's a very talented yes. singer. She's coming on uh, to do talk about best concerts. Uh, we have uh, David Chef David Bondarchuk coming on to talk about uh, LBGT representation in pop culture. Um, we're hosting another Ask the, Ask the Expert show all about science this time, and I'm I'm the science expert because I'm the science expert of Truckee Pacific. So, I mean, we have a bunch of really cool shows coming up. Um, yeah. We have a really cool thing uh, that we're working on for May. It's ALS month, and uh, we're working on a really cool thing for ALS because uh, ALS is very near and dear to our hearts here at Truckee Pacific. So, yes, we got a lot of cool shit coming up. Yeah, and we have my buddy, uh, Dish Anthony, which I have to figure out what name he's going to go by. But he's coming on this season, too. He's been sending me an email. Anthony, I know you watch all our stuff. Don't worry. We'll, uh, I'll get in contact with you, but he does miniatures. He does a lot of cool stuff. Uh, and he's really excited to go on. He's, he's now in a situation where he's like, just let me know whenever you need me to come on, I'm ready to come on. So, uh, we're going to get him on because he's a good guy and he makes some amazing things. Yeah. That's one thing I love about our show, dude. It's like, you know, it's just smoking weed and and talking about pop culture and, you know, who doesn't want to do that? So we're getting all sorts of cool people coming on and, and, uh, joining our show, uh, so um, give me one last memory of today. Oh. One thing that uh, really that you're going to remember from today. Besides the-, uh, the one last memory of today. The press briefing. I, I mean, it seems like weird, but once again, political junkie aspect of me. Uh, the pure uh, normality of a press briefing. A real one, a non-combative one. Not that there won't be. Because, you know, the, there has to be between the government and uh, the press a little bit, but it was non-combative. It was almost to the level of boring. Like, for that, that's what, I, that's what will stand out of the press briefing represents it. Today was an amazing, wonderful, world-changing day, and it was also boring. Yes. Just fucking boring enough that only fucking nerds like myself would obsessively watch nine hours of not only what happened, but everything behind the scenes. And then fucking people talking about what I just watched and everything that happened behind the scenes. I mean, so it was, it was quiet. It was boring. It was amazing. And it was peaceful. (laughs) And that's, that's all all we can ask for. Yeah. Um, As great as today was, as amazing as the speeches were and the the poet laureate after tomorrow the only thing that's going to remain in people's memories is bernie sanders and his big mittens yes sitting on the lawn sitting on the lawn chair looking like your grumpy ass grandpa out in the cold watching a football game or something it's everywhere everybody the memes are everywhere that's all i think people are gonna remember of today and that's great that's all i want them to that that's i couldn't ask for anything more did you see him? Did you see the picture where he's carrying like that yellow envelope? No. Like he's got like a mail envelope. Like, like did the, by UPS on the way to the inauguration. One of the things I have to do today, Joe, I'm going to come to your inauguration. And since there's a post office at the Capitol, <laughs> I needed to drop this off anyhow. So I'll just bring it with me. They're like, "What well, you can drop it off. No, no, it's, it's down the hall. We'll just 
I'll take it after. Let's go. Let's watch it. Uh, that's, that's great, man. Um, one thing we, we, one thing we forgot to do, we got to give all our plugs to the oh, yeah. our sites and shit. So uh, make sure to follow all our shows on www.truckypacific.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter um, at high podcast. Um, you can follow us on Facebook at my high podcast, but really like, we are very honest here at the Mile High Podcast. We're very honest. We desperately want to make your money our money. Such as this week, my Aunt Bonnie made her money our money. And so we want to give a huge shout out to my Aunt Bonnie who went on our Venmo at uh, it's at Truckee Pacific 303. Um, the links will be on the, you know, in the thing whenever I can post again. Um, but go to Venmo at Chucky Pacific 303. Um, give us money. Like no amount is too small or too big. There's right. no maximum donation that you can give us. Like, you know, go big. You know, yeah. you can get some of that sweet buying cash coming out your way. So make some of your Jump in because Dave ours. only has so much family. I'm tapping out. Yeah, my parents, my cousin, and my aunt. Like, I'm running out of family. Oh. I don't know if I froze or he froze, but we just wanted you to make our money. So uh, I think that's it, guys. Uh, thank God for tonight. I uh, hope you guys all have a great night and uh, give us your money. Love you, bye. This has been a Truckee Pacific production. For sponsorship inquiries and comments, go to the Mile High Podcast at gmail.com.